Hey, I believe it's episode 32 of the Rocktown Sports Podcast, uh, Rockingham County's only all-local uh, sports podcast. Again, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, host, Jim Sacco, sports editor here at Daily News and Record, joined by the always uh, friendly Cody Elliott, uh, preps writer here at DNR. Cody, how you doing today? Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, we're, we sound a little tired today. It's because we are. We've had a, <laughs> we've had a few long days uh, uh, going our way, but hey, I, I if you're here, I think that's our cue to talk high school football. So let's just jump right in it. Cody Turner Ashby, go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they just continue to prove every week that they're they're the real deal. I, I and I say that with with a little bit of reservation because I don't want to quite. I think you know, I've I, I've talked to some other people about this, and I don't want to quite say that they're up, you know into the same conversation with Spotswood or anything like no, that yet. No. But I do think that they've earned the right now to think that they're they're a playoff team and they, they will they're gonna put themselves in that conversation at the end of the at the end of the day. And um yeah, I mean you can't argue with with a a thirty one point win after a twenty two point win. 22-point win over Western, and then a uh, 22-point win the week before over William Monroe. I mean, they haven't been close yet. So And they had a fight back in this one. They mm-hmm. they, they were down uh, in this game. Uh, it was back and, the, the quote-unquote back-and-forth affair. I, th- I you know, and I think I said on Twitter Friday night that I, or Saturday morning that I, I obviously I, Spotswood is the, the, the class of the Valley District right now. But what this does, what TA does right now is, is you know, and, and I'm not going to sit here and look you in the eye uh, and tell you it's going to be a close game. I don't know. My crystal ball is broken, but I do know it adds intrigue to that game at Spotswood between TA and the Blazers. Well, especially because I believe, if I'm correct, that it's the first game of the Valley District, their Valley District schedule. So, you know, you look at what TA's got left until then. They've got Stanton this week. Um, and they've got Wilson Memorial, and, and if, if they can take care of the, both of those opponents, which, you know, Chris Frazier would not like me to be looking ahead like that, but I think, which they can, I think. I think they're the better team between both of those games, but if they can take care of those opponents, you're looking at possibly 5-0 TA versus 5-0 Spotswood uh, between two of the bigger rivals in this area. I mean, that's going to be, that would be just an unbelievable crowd and a great atmosphere. Yeah, it, it, that, that, there's a lot of intrigue going on. I mean, it, it's it's got my, uh, it's piqued my interest for sure. Uh, and what a game that looked like, uh, you know, would just be a, a laugher before the season started. You know, it certainly looks like it's something that you might want to go to and check out for sure uh i guess you know we talk about it all the time is the, the you know the 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 vocal or not so vocal lead by example kind of guy jesse knight uh the senior uh both sides at a line for uh turner ashby and uh i believe if uh the birds tell me that was his first career touchdown friday night when he fell out of fell on a fumble and a broken play in the end zone yeah actually two defensive uh touchdowns for ta that night um dylan eppard also had a, a pick six um, yeah, I mean, it seemed like everybody kind of got involved. Even, you know, Swinehart scores two touchdowns. Um, he's their usual back. But then uh, the sophomore, uh, Jalen Quintanilla, um, he comes in and scores three. And, and he's kind of showed flashes throughout their first couple of games. He's been a really speedy guy. Um, he's a guy I'm writing about actually this evening. And he, uh, I think he's, he's a really good second kind of change of pace guy for them out of that backfield. And then, of course, C.J. Haskins also had another touchdown pass. He had one to Nico Val for a second straight week. So, um, they really, you know, they played well in all three phases. It seems like, and then did what they had to do to take care of business. And when the the defense did lax, uh, they answered right back, and which is uh, you know important in any game, and especially the game of football when you're in a a, a tight battle like they were uh, with Monticello. 
on Friday. Number one in your power rankings, no surprise, Cody Spotswood, who uh, went nuts on Western Arlemar uh, Friday, 35 nothing. Ethan Barnhart continues to just uh, say, yeah, this Valley District rushing title is going to be mine. Come grab it. Yeah, I mean, just kind of a workmanlike performance from them, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to really live up to a to a performance after they hang seventy five on William Monroe. I think you know there was no performance that where you could say, "Oh man, they they just kept the same momentum going." But um, you know they took care of business against. And, and like I said, when when Western played to, I don't think Western's a, a really bad football team. Obviously, they might not be the Western of past years, but I still don't think they're a terrible football team. Um, I think they just ran into two really good ones right now, and I think Spotswood showed that. Um, their defense continues to just be probably the best in the area. Um, and then, like, like you said, Ethan Barnhart on the, in terms of the rushing game. Um, last year we saw them kind of split up a lot of those carries between Brennan Brown and Barnhart and even Conahan and Myers. And Conahan and Myers still play a role in that running game, but it's not, not nearly as much because Barnhart is just has played so well, averaging almost 10 yards per carry. You got to keep feeding them the ball, and Dale Shipwood's made sure he's done so so far. And it looks like he's using Myers and and uh, Conahan for more short yardage situations. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Um, you know, short and goal, um, or first and goal, second and goal. Um, you know, it, that I think that's what they're going to be used for. But then they also, we already know, they play such a huge role in that defense that it almost works out better because you know Barnhart plays linebacker as well. Myers and Conahan are kind of the two main guys at the linebacker spot. Then on the other side, you've got Barnhart, who's kind of the main guy on offense. It allows both sides, I think, to remain rested and, and not get too fatigued throughout the game. Uh, number two, you got Riverheads. They're three and zero. They're on the bye this week. Uh, I mean that 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 fifty two to six dressing down at East Rock. I mean, I think. Plenty of people expected Riverheads to win. Would that score surprise you at all? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I was shocked. I was, when I saw that score, I was very surprised. Not that I, I thought that Riverheads was the better team going in that game, and I thought they would win that game. Um, I did not expect them to ha- to handle it the way they did. Uh, you know, I, I think it tells us two things. I think it tells us that East Rock is not quite where we thought they were in terms of their growth and their development here early. Um, I think some of the younger guys still maybe need to improve before they get to where they want to be. Now, with that being said, I do think they're a team that, with their coaching and with everything else, they can eventually get there, and I think they can still be a you know a five, six, seven win team potentially. Um, the problem is that I think Riverheads right now is way ahead of the curve of where they were supposed to be coming into the year. I think a lot of people thought that Riverheads team was going to face some growing pains early with a lot of players missing from last year. And we usually see that in Riverheads. We usually see them get better throughout the year, and by November they're at their best. But they already are, are clicking. I mean, they've had two impressive wins, and then this you know route of, of East Rock, I mean, they're just on a whole other level right now. Um, it's kind of scary to think about where they could be by the end of the year. They're they're winning the Shenandoah district title. I mean, that, that's, oh, yeah. that's, I mean no, that's no brainer, they're right? They're winning the Shenandoah, and, and they're going to be right there at the, at the, for in the conversation for another state title, in my opinion. Uh, number three, you got Clark County two and zero. They uh, they 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 host Stewart's Draft Friday, but last Friday, you know. I, you know, maybe William Monroe might be getting a little better. They only, uh, they lost twenty six, or they, you know, Clark County beat them twenty six to seven. It looks like William Monroe might be cleaning up some of the the gaffes they had earlier in the year, and they they gave uh, Clark a game. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that score as well. I thought that was going to be a lot more lopsided than it was. Um, so credit William Monroe for for obviously playing a little better than they have been the first two weeks. Um, you know, these next few weeks are really going to tell us a lot about Clark County, Strasburg, all those teams, LeRae, 
um, especially draft two. Um, you know, you've got a lot of teams that are playing really, really well, and a lot of them are facing each other over these next three to four weeks. Uh, so we're going to find out a lot about a lot of those teams. Number four, you had Strasburg 2-0. and They got a bye this week, uh, or excuse me, they're coming off a bye. They uh, host uh, Shenandoah District mate and former Bull Run uh, foe Central. Number five, Rockbridge County with a nice bounce-back win, 48-7, to uh, over down at Allegheny County. Uh, they host Christiansburg Friday. Number six, you got Luray. Here's another big one. This is Luray, uh, who's going to be heading down or driving down to Shenandoah to take on Page County. Uh, two 2-0 teams, two rivals, and both teams looking pretty strong right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone expected the, both these teams to be undefeated at this point. Um, you know, I expected LeRae. I don't, yeah, I didn't yeah expect, that's, what, that's yeah. what I mean. I, but even you look at LeRae, I mean, that game against Central in the in the, in the season ever wasn't a guarantee. Fair. And then, you know, they, they've looked they've looked as good as anybody, honestly, in terms of what they've done so far in their resume that they've built in their two games um, that they've played. And then Paige, though, I thought, you know, to come out there last week and, and only give up seven points to Wilson Morley, who has a pretty good offense, um, you know, that was a really impressive win for Paige. And, and we've talked a lot on here about Paige kind of being a sneaky playoff team this year. Um, this is a great opportunity for them. They're playing against their rival. You know it's going to be a huge crowd. It's always a great atmosphere between these two teams. This is a great opportunity for them to beat a team that everybody kind of came into the year expecting LeRae to be good. We didn't really know what to expect from Paige, and this is a chance for them to kind of make a statement here early in the year. Uh, my, a win here, and they won't be sneaky anymore. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're suddenly, a win here, we're suddenly putting Paige in the conversation for, you know, competing for that Bull Run District title this year. That Bull Run District title seems pretty wide open. I yeah, mean, I mean, it I, really I, does. I think, you know, you've got Clark, Strasburg, and Larray there at the top. Um, we kind of had East Rock in that conversation originally. I think after last week, you have to take them maybe a step back now. Um, and then I think that, you know, them and Paige are kind of right there on the outside looking in. And, you know, depending what Paige does this week, we might all of a sudden be putting them in the conversation as well. Number seven, you got the the aforementioned Turner Ashby, 3-0, and big 56-25 win at Monticello. They host Stanton this week. Number eight, you got Stewart's Draft, 3-0, and a big 50 to nothing win uh, over Covington. And, hey, they, got the, they host Clark County. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, a really good game this week. Um, I think Draft has a chance to get a win there. I think Draft is a lot better than people realize. Um, they've got two shutouts in their first three games. The, on the offensive side of the, of the ball, they're taking care of business. They've got uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the Shenandoah District and Henry Cook. Um, they've got some speed around him at a, at a bunch of the skill spots. I, I really like that Draft team. I think they've got a chance to to really make some noise in that Shenandoah this year. Again, Riverheads, I believe, is the favorite, but I think Draft has a chance to to make a run and, and make some noise in, in Region 2B this year. I mean, I just think when you look at Region 2B across the Shenandoah and the Bull Run, there's just a ton of really good football teams there. I think they're, they they all are really just going to beat each other up, I mean, when you look at the end of the day. Is that why maybe we're not seeing teams like Stewart's Draft and Page getting votes in the Shenandoah? I think that's really what's yet? holding them back right now because you look, you've got T.A., Rockbridge, and Spotswood are all, they've all earned that respect for being the Valley District teams. Um, you can't take Riverheads can, out. Yeah, I mean, you just look, you, you've got a solid five or six teams there alone between those two districts that I think you could argue for a spot, um, you know, Draft, I think, has a, has a case to be in the Shen Valley 7, in my opinion. Um, you know, Clark does, Strasburg does, LeRae does. And now with Paige, I mean, they're right there on the door knocking, too. I and mean, you've got several teams there that are kind of fighting for about two or three spots, and I think that's why we haven't really seen a ton of movement yet because nobody's – that first domino hasn't fallen. This week, you know, with Clark facing Draft, Strasburg facing Central – 
um, Paige facing Larray, I think that's three opportunities right there. You can start seeing some of those dominoes fall. And just to clarify, what we're going over now are Cody Elliott's uh, weekly power rankings. These are not voted on. These are just you know, how Cody sees each team stacking up. The, the Shen Belly 7, which is actually voted on by the, the, the sports department here and various sports departments in the city-county area and radio personalities, uh, that gets released on Thursday. Uh, so we got Stewart's Draft at 8. We did that already. Page County at 9. 10 Fort Defiance. They're 1-1. One one. They, they got a really big win. Well, 45-8 at Waynesboro. Uh, oh man, guess what? I got to pick them to lose this week. They're going against Stonewall, my upset pick for the rest of the year. <laughs> I'm sorry for it. Yeah, well, and, and that's another team I forgot to mention there. They're another Shenandoah team that, you know, I think is a potential playoff team. But, you know, again, like, like you said, I just think wins are going to be hard to come by. You know, it's going every week's going to be a dogfight, especially once they get into district play. Um, and, and the Shenandoah and the Bull Run, and, and they're another team. You know, they're sitting there at number 10 on my power rankings. Um, you could easily see them, you know, moving up to, to seven or, or even higher, depending on how they do. Um, it's just so early, and, and, and like I said, you haven't seen enough from every team, and they haven't faced each other enough to kind of find out where they stand. And that's a team that's got to be kicking itself in the butt a little bit. I mean, they, 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 they should have won that Liberty Bedford game. They should be 2-0 and uh, with a really nice win over a good Liberty Bedford team to start the year off. So, I mean, if there's a team I don't want to face – uh, the rest of the way out, if I'm in the Shenandoah district and my name's other than Riverheads, it's probably Fort. Yeah, I mean, we and you think Fort isn't, you know, they're they're used to playing some of these good football teams. They, they're coming over from the Valley District where, where last year they had to face Harrisonburg and Spotswood and, and some of these teams. And now all of a sudden, you know, they go over to Shenandoah where, where Riverheads is kind of the favorite. Um, but Fort has seen a lot of different looks defensively, and that's what they kind of hang their hat on. So I expect them to, to be right there in the running towards the end of the year. Um, I think, you know, them, Draft, and, and Riverheads are kind of the class of the Shenandoah right now. And number 11, you got Central 2-1 and one with a, a 41 nothing win over struggling Broadway, looking to find their way. Uh, Central's at Strasburg, as we mentioned earlier. Number 12, you got East Rock, 0-2, 52-6 to loss to Riverheads. Uh, here's your reward. you got to go down the swope and play Buffalo Gap. Uh, what, what, what's got to happen out in Elkton for this ship to, to write, or is it just growing pains and it'll get there eventually? Uh, you know, I think it is a little bit just growing pains. I think offensively they still haven't clicked. I mean, if you look at their two games, they've only scored 18 points combined. Um, so they've got to find a way to be more effective there. Um, I thought the run game was really strong in their season opener to Spotswood, and they kind of got away from him at times in terms of throwing the ball a little bit more. Um, so I'd be interested to see if they start to rely on that maybe more than they have in the past. You know, they've had Dylan Williams on those guys in the past. Not that Tyce McNair isn't capable of throwing it, but I'd be interested to see if they try and take advantage of his legs and then guys like Trenton Morris and them in the backfield um, and see what happens. Uh, you know, I just think it's one of those things. They're a young team. Um, it was easy to say that it was going to be easy to replace those seniors from last year, but it's, it's that's just not realistic. And I think you know, what you're seeing now is, is some of those guys who didn't play a lot last year are going through the growing pains. And, I mean, let's be real, though. Playing spots when a river hits back-to-back to start the year wouldn't be easy on anybody. Yeah, that doesn't do you any favors uh, when, when you're, 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 you're trying to revamp your program after the losses that you took over the offseason. Uh, 13, you got Wilson Memorial 1-2. and two. They lost to Page. They are on the bye. Uh, let's see, 14, Harrisonburg, uh, one and two, first win uh, of the season, 31-21 Friday at Charlottesville. They host Elmarl, uh this coming Friday. Keenan Glagos moved the quarterback, seemed the head paid off, and, and Thurman said he was expecting him to pack the box and felt like uh, former quarterback Quint Smiley do more damage out there in the open field, and, and he was right. Yeah, I think, you know, I talked to him yesterday, and 
basically they, they have Quentin Smiley playing kind of a, a do-it-all role. I mean, he, he, he lines up at slot. He lines up out wide. He lines up in the backfield. He, he lines up at quarterback occasionally. Um, we're going to see him a little bit everywhere on the field. I think the biggest key for them is just finding different ways to get the ball in his hands in space. Um, you know, when, when he's taking direct snaps from center, it's too, it's too challenging against some of these defenses to get him out where they want to get him. Um, with, with Keenan Glago back there, he's able to also add an element in the passing game that, that Quentin Smiley didn't quite have. Um, he had two touchdown passes last week against Charlottesville. Um, so I think it's it's a good move for them. It's a good way to kind of add some more dynamics to their offense. And, you know, hopefully what they're hoping is that they can uh, get a turnaround here and, and get some more wins and maybe make a push in the Valley District play, have a little bit more momentum than they had throughout the first two weeks. Yeah, and it just, you know, and, and turnovers. Uh, they they didn't get rid of them completely, but they cut back on them in, in their win. Let's skip over 15, which is Buffalo Gap at 2-1. and one. Since we're talking about turnovers, let's jump down to 16, 0-3 Broadway. Lost 41 nothing at Central. Turnovers, 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 turnovers is the story right now for this Gobblers. Yeah, it's been the same story every single week for them, and I know that's got to be frustrating for Danny Grog. I mean, to, to put all the effort he's put into trying to get that program turned around and to come out and see it hurt by something that's their own their own doing um that's got to be the most frustrating part because the defense has played really well actually the defense played well even against central they i you know they only gave up i think just a little over 150 yards um so it wasn't like the defense is just giving up you know a ton of yardage every game the reason why these games are getting lopsided is because they're turning the ball over giving teams short yardage situations a short field um and, you know, until they get that fixed, it's it's not going to get turned around anytime soon. This bye week is probably coming at an opportune time for them. Yeah, I, I think, and I'm not, I'll need to double check in this. I think they're at 11 turnovers for the season, 11 or 12? I think it's 12. I it's 12? 12? Okay, yeah. with uh, six more uh, in that loss. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just seems like it might be time to have guys carrying around the ball this school. You know, right, the old, right, yeah. you know, don't, don't, this ball don't leave your side. Everyone try to knock it out and don't let it fall. Number 17, Stanton, one on one, a pretty big loss to Lynchburg Christian Academy, 41 to 6. Uh, they come up to Bridgewater to, to play a, a red hot TAT, and they've already talked about. Number 18, Waynesboro, 0 and 3, same old story right now. Uh, they scored eight points. I mean, and I, I believe that's the first game they scored this year. Yes, it is. So, so if you're looking for positives there, they did put points on the board against a, a good Fort Defiance defense. Yeah. Uh, they host Western Elmaro Friday, number 19. Madison County, 0-2, 48-6 loss to George Mason. But they get William Monroe. I don't know where they stack up against the, <laughs> the, the, the Green Dragons, so I don't know what kind of game we'll be looking at here. Uh, and then number 20, uh, no, they're not. Number 20, Stonewall Jackson, my boys, 0-2, 45-0 lost to William Campbell. Uh, the reward, they go to Fort Defiance. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be your upset pick, but it, it, it's that's a tough task for them, um, you know. I'm not changing it. I'm not. They're, they're going to be my upset pick all year until they win one. And then, and then <laughs> the next week, they will be on the receiving end of my upset pick. I don't care who they're playing, they're going to be the up, they're going to get upset. That's how we work here. And then number 21, our final team, Rappahannock County, which actually did get a win, 26-12 to 12 over Craig County. 1-1, uh, one one. still going to be a long uh, bull run season for the, the Raps. That's the week that I'll probably go with Stonewall Jackson to get a win. Oh, he's stealing my thunder. <laughs> stealing my thunder. Surprises this coming week, Cody. You see any of these games that, that, that really light a fire under you? 
All right, well, I just think that those trio games I picked earlier, I mean, I think all three of them are going to be good. Central, Strasburg, Draft, uh, Clark, and Page and Larray. I think Page is going to play Larray a little closer than, than we probably originally thought at the beginning of the year. And then I think um, I think Draft has a, has a really good chance of beating Clark County. Um, and if they do, then all of a sudden I think, you know, that, that kind of changes how everybody looks at them this year and, and what their chances are of making a, a good playoff run at the end of the season. Give me a percent on TA equaling. Their win totals from the past two years combined, Friday night. Oh man, I, I against I, a, a a visiting Stanton. I give it a, a I'd probably say a seventy five percent chance. Oh, ooh. I wonder if the Black Plague will be out in full force for that one, knowing what's at stake. You know, I, I've got to give the Black Plague some credit. They've uh, I went to a volleyball game um, last week, and and the volleyball team's struggling this year. They're young, and, and that was the best student section I've seen, though, the city county this year. And they've and upped then, their Twitter game a little bit. And the, and the football stands have been full. Yeah, they, they've they've come out in full support this year. I think they've, they've upped their game, and I've been impressed with what I've seen so far. Ah, the peaks and valley of a uh, high school. Uh, student section. Cody, as always, you know what he's got going on this week. There's just so many blogs online and all kinds of stories in the paper and online that you got to read them. Cody, thanks for joining us, and uh, you will be tweeting from the Turner Ashby Stanton game Friday, yes? Correct. So follow Cody at Cody underscore DNR Sports. Thanks for joining us, Cody. We'll talk to you later. Yep. Thanks, man. Well, that was Cody Elliott talking uh, prep football as always. Now uh, shifting into Cody's seat is uh, JMU men's and women's basketball writer slash Bridgewater College football beat writer Shane Metlin. Shane, they're 2-0. This is a big 37-22 win over a very good Stevenson team. It's maybe time to start talking. Uh, Bridgewater may have might maybe around to stay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we talked last week. We were going to find out if they were for real this week going on the road against Stevenson team. That's always good. They don't have the quarterback they've had for the last few years, but they had a D2 transfer come in that they were expecting big things out of. And uh, is a very mobile guy, and the Bridgewater defense just really dominated them the first half especially of that game and came out on fire, and the offense was clicking too, and they just you know controlled the game from start to finish and looked like a really good football team. Yeah, I mean, this defensive stat line, I mean, Rashawn Myers and, and Gary Ramey Jr., uh, you know, as you wrote, lived in the Stevenson backfield. Uh, the 2018 ODAC Defense Player of the Year, that's Myers. 12 tackles, 12 tackles, three sacks. Ramey added nine tackles and two and a half sacks. This team is just is just getting to the quarterback. Yeah, and I, I watched the video feed of that game. I wasn't up there, but, um, yeah, Rashawn Myers was not only – getting in there and getting sacks. He he wasn't doing it gently. He was putting some hits on that quarterback and uh yeah, he's he's gonna be having nightmares about that guy <laughs> <laughs> years to come. Like he, he really like made some tremendous plays and he, even towards the end of the game was getting in there and just hitting him hard. I think I think he got a penalty on a play late in the game, uh just with a little bit of a late hit, but he he made an impression, <laughs> and, and and Myers, uh, you know, named the ODAC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, also got a Division Three All Weekly Team, I believe. Yeah. D three football All Weekly Team. This offense, though, I mean, it 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 seems like the offense is 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 like a a machine slowly starting to come alive. I mean, it it's uh, Demetrius Gillespie's kind of got more involved this past week. 
uh, I mean, it just seems like it's really just starting to come together a little bit. Yeah, and they have they have a variety of weapons. I think we've kind of seen here in the first two weeks, and it's you know you game plan to try to slow down those inside runs with Demetrius Jalopis, and it opens up things on the outside, and you see a guy like Jared Denham who had his fourth touchdown of the year, but didn't get as many carries, didn't get quite as many looks this week, maybe because they were having more success running inside, bouncing it out, than throwing towards the sideline. Um, but they kind of are looking like a team where if you gear up to stop one thing, you just open up something else. They've got different weapons that are available to them, and they haven't turned the ball over this year, which is was kind of what killed them in early games last year. Even if you look back at the Stevenson game last year at Bridgewater, uh, that game was pretty competitive if they could have just held on to the ball against a you know a good Stevenson team. We'll, we'll say that over and over again. That is a good program that every year has a winning record, every year is in contention in their conference, and they went up there and won on the road, and you know they really look like a team that's going to be you know legit contender in the ODAC. How important is Jay Scroggins for the squad? I mean, obviously that defense is the game right there. But, I mean, he's his fifth-year senior. He's fifth-year quarterback for him. He threw for 237 yards, two touchdowns. Like you said, hasn't turned the ball over yet this season. Uh, and he, he added 37 on the ground and a touchdown on the ground. It just kind of seems like, you know, if, if, if Rayshon Myers is the quarterback of the defense, well, Scroggins is literally the quarterback of the offense, but I mean, you see what I'm saying. I mean, he's the you know he's the answer right there. It appears. Yeah, he's not going to put up quite as flashy numbers as some other offensive players in this conference, but he looks so comfortable right now. Which you know, if we're being honest, he really didn't at the start of last season. At this time of last year, he was making mistakes and maybe tried to do too much, force things a little bit. Um, now he just looks so comfortable. He makes the right throws. He throws it away when he needs to. He tucks and runs when he needs to. And, you know, if he does that and doesn't make mistakes and doesn't force things, the offense is going to be really good. And he just looks like a guy who it all has kind of come together for. You know, maybe it started happening late last year where he really cut down on the turnovers and they were playing well towards the end of the season. But... He yeah he just looks like a very comfortable smart player who's making all the right decisions and has enough talent he's got a strong arm he can do a little bit with his legs has enough talent that you know he's going to make those plays and you know really you know probably maybe one of the key things in that game was Stevenson in the second half they come down they score they get a two point conversion and they cut it to eight and it's you know a one score game in the fourth quarter, and Bridgewater's offense hadn't quite just been running up and down the field the way they did in the first half. Uh, Hadn't won the field position battle quite the same way they did in the first half. And he came in, he came onto the field, and led another long, sustainable drive down for a touchdown to really just put the game away. And, you know, he looked so calm and collected in that the same way he did in some games last year and, and you know, the first week against Gettysburg. Is, is this the fifth-year senior coming out? I mean, at some point when you're there for five years, you got to get comfortable. And, I mean, and now that his fifth year there, is it just him? Is that just fifth-year senioritis? Yeah, I mean, I think so. But like we said, he was a fourth-year player at this point last year and a guy who had played, you know, came from a D2 program and, you know, probably had some expectations. And maybe that was the problem. Maybe there were some 
expectations that he felt like, okay, we're down by a touchdown. I've got to force it and get a touchdown back here. Or better tuck it and run it. Yeah, whereas this year, you know, he's just making the right decisions. He's comfortable, confident, his teammates. And, like, you know, we haven't seen them try to come from behind or anything yet this year. We'll see what happens in that case. But, you know, so far it just have been, you know, you can't fault really anything he's done. Well, that's going to be coming at some point. At some point, they're going to have to come from behind. I mean, unless they just run, they just run, they just rickroll the ODAC. Yeah, and you know, there's going to be some good teams in the ODAC. Randolph Macon. Uh, you know, I'll have my power rankings out again next week. I'm going to have Bridgewater again at number one because they're two and zero and they've done it in impressive fashion. Uh, it's not really a knock on Randolph Macon, though. I'm not even like saying they're not the favorites to win the conference anymore. Uh, their loss is certainly an understandable one, losing to a top 10 Johns Hopkins team. Uh, But I think right now you kind of have co-favorites in this conference, but you look at some of the games that are coming down the line, especially after the next couple weeks. You know, Bridgewater should be 4-0 two weeks from now. If you just were just going to be frank about it, they should beat Shenandoah, they should beat Southern Virginia. And then they're going to get into, like, the real meat of the conference schedule, and that's where we're going to see, you know, what they might do with their backs against the wall, things like that. But their defense is going to put them in a position where I don't think they're ever going to like be like, okay, we got to score, come back from three touchdowns. Down yeah, we're going to be down. It's not going to happen very often. They're not going to be down by 21 points yeah. uh, in a game this year. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, I'd be very surprised. So they head up to Shenandoah Saturday, a uh, former Rockbridge County quarterback whose last name I've been butchering for three years is the starter up there, yes? Yeah, I think it's Roadnizer. Right? Roadnizer, yeah, yes. Roadnizer. Yep. So, so they're still flinging the ball around. This team hasn't changed at yeah, all in Shenandoah. Yeah, they, they're playing two quarterbacks. Uh, he, ben Rodenizer is a, kind of a redshirt freshman situation. He's, uh, he's one of them. And they, they, they threw the ball around. They, they do hand it off, but, um, you know, they're in the mode where they're going to try to outscore you, and we'll see what that does. I think it's a really speedy defense that, you know, uh, Bridgewater has. That That's the thing. They're... Bridgewater has so much speed at the linebacker and the defensive back positions. Like, I don't think that's a great matchup for Shenandoah to try to just like fling it around. And that's a killer on a Division three. Well, at any level, but especially Division three when you're that fast at the linebackers' positions. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, um, Michael Clark, the Bridgewater coach, has talked about this. You know, all the time. He's got guys who could be playing at a different level. They could be D2 guys. They could be, you know, FCS guys. You know, Rayshon Myers, example of one who signed with Coastal Carolina coming out of uh, high school. Um, but he's got a few guys that, you know, for whatever reason, they are at Bridgewater, and they're doing quite well at this level. And, you know, it's, it's a speed of a team that probably – a defense that could compete, you know, at a lower level D2 school, I'm sure. Like, just the defense when you look at it. These guys are, are legit athletes. Switching gears real quick, you're going out to Wake Forest, the uh, number one team in the country, men's soccer, uh, coming up to JMU tonight. That is Tuesday night. Uh, what are you expecting out of that one? I mean, JMU is coming off a nice NCAA tournament run, but they're not the number one team in the country. No, and, you know, they're, they are a team that's getting better, I think, this year. Uh, you'll have to – excuse me, anybody who knows me knows I'm not a soccer expert – this will be my first time seeing JMU play this year. But from what I've gathered, some of their freshmen, they have a nice freshman class that's really kind of, uh, you know, coming along a little bit. They had, you know, some growing pains early in the season when they went down to, to Florida. and Kind of the schedule got mixed up a little bit because of the hurricane weather down there and all that. 
and they took a couple losses that I don't think, you know, frankly, I don't think they expected to come back from Florida 0-2, but, you know, now they're 3-2, and they've been playing better, but this is going to be the biggest challenge oh, of easily. the year. For, easily. You know, I would think, you know, oh, I mean, they still have a game against a tough Virginia team coming up that's beat uh, a couple of top five teams there, that's Going to be a tough one too. But. And you and you talk about some of those freshmen. The the Mensa kid, freshman. Oh, he was the CA rookie of the week this week. Scored a hat trick in ten minutes on the pitch, uh, in, in JMU's six zero win over Elon. So there there is some freshman firepower on this squad. Yeah, and and you know you talk to you know Coach Zizinski and he uh, he says that those guys are a lot more comfortable than they were you know a week or two into the season. They're just they just are. They have a better idea what the speed of the game is and what. Uh, what the opponents are going to bring to the table as far as intensity and things like that, and they're they're just playing better soccer, but they're going to you know see an opponent that hasn't lost this year and doesn't lose a whole lot any year, you know, to be frank about it. Uh, you know, Wake Forest has been one of those powerhouse programs, and the ACC generally is on a different level when it comes to soccer. So you know, I think they want to try to keep it competitive in this game, and it, you know, it's one. It's a sport where, you know, if your defense is playing well, if your goalkeeper is playing well, they have an experienced good goalkeeper, T.J. Bush. So, you know, maybe they can keep him in it. It's one of those things where if you're in it towards the end, you know, maybe you can sneak a goal in there and see what happens. You never but, know what's going to happen at that but, point. you know, Wake Forest is a team going to score, you know, two, three, four goals a game. So it's tough to do that. But you want to you keep it competitive, see what you do, and, you know, get back into CAA play here coming up and, you know, really come away from that experience with you know some growth and, and you talk about a lot with the women's basketball scheduling it, it seems like this is a little bit of a resume builder for for jmu as well i mean it's just a nice game to go out there and you put up a fight against it and you see what happens yeah and because we talked about um you know with the women's basketball the men's soccer team you know women's soccer team volleyball team and some other teams that JMU this fall are going to be in that situation probably where they're not winning a ton of non-conference games, but they should be the favorite to win in the conference. But it comes down to that conference tournament. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, yeah, and it, you know, it's a tough situation to be in, but these games you know, help you down the line when you know, you're uh, playing Hofstra for the conference championship and a, team t- and a trip to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it's all on the line. You, you've, been, you've been against the best, and that can't do anything but help you. Well, you could follow Shane the night. Uh, it's Tuesday night at the at Metlin. Is it Shane? No, it's Shane underscore DNR Sports, right? Yeah, I figured out how to get that changed a while back. Okay, so, yeah, so. all right. Well, yeah, follow him along tonight, and you follow him all the rest of the week for your uh, Bridgewater College and JMU uh, men's and women's basketball news. Shane, thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate it, man. Right, thanks, man. Well, that was Shane Metlin talking some uh, Bridgewater College uh, football. And, and, and Greg, uh, Greg Medea, JMU beat writer here for the Daily News Record, who's jumping in. What about them, Eagles? Goodness gracious, that's a nice win over Stevenson. I mean, holy crap, we, we might have to be covering the, the postseason at a couple of different levels. Yeah, yeah. We, might, we just might make a team trip to Texas. Isn't the, division, isn't the Stag Bowl in Texas yeah, this they, year? Don't, don't they play it at, uh, at one of those great high school stadiums down there that they're <laughs> worth like $11 million bucks or something down in like Allen, Texas? Man, good good for Michael Clark in his 25th year, the, the consummate professional, the consummate Division One football coach who gets it, and, and good for that program for, for, for really, you know, it started last year when they started making some noise made the run and they're continuing this year but you're here to talk about JMU football Greg and uh, another nice uh, win uh, expected the dominant win over Morgan State Saturday Uh, 
And but you know, what jumped out in my eye was the the improvement in the red zone. Uh, leading up to that point, they were five for eleven in the red zone touchdowns. A uh, much better day against Morgan State. Yeah, six, six touchdowns and seven red zone <laughs> yeah. opportunities. That that'll do it. Uh, that'll make an offensive coordinator and, and a head coach pretty happy. I know Kurt Signetti said he was happier with the improvement they made in, in the in the he calls it the red area. Yes, not not the red. I zone, like that the red, red area. area. I guess I guess that's fine. Uh, but they did it a couple of different ways. But but the primarily it was with Ben DiNucci slinging the ball around to a number of different receivers. It really opened some things up. And then when they wanted to run the ball, uh, they they could pretty easily. You know, Percy Ajayi had a couple of rushing touchdowns, and you know it, it just. It was your typical JMU performance against a team that just, quite frankly, isn't as good. Yeah, and and, and let's talk a little about Ben, who, uh, you know, again, it, it, we know who it is against. It was against Morgan State. But at the same point, football is football. And, and whether you're playing against Morgan State, FSU, or the, the sister, Little Sisters of the Mercy and Poor University, I mean, the quarterback performance is a quarterback performance. And, I mean, this was a, I don't, was it a break? I mean, could you call it the breakout game? I mean, can we call it the Ben DiNucci game? You want to see it against better competition. He's shown it to you in the past. Mm-hmm. I think that, that Towson game last year was pretty That's good. That's right. I forget uh, about the that. The Rhode Island game last year was pretty good. But this was maybe the best he threw the ball in his time at JMU, I thought. 240 yards, four touchdowns. And you look the way he distributed the ball. I think I compared it in my game story to the way a point guard, yes. like a really good point guard, not a crappy point guard, a good point guard like, say, Jason Kidd or Steve Nash in, in recent history would distribute. I mean, just the way he was able to find different receivers, did it in different ways. There was a long touchdown throw to Brandon Polk. There was a, a really nice throw on a corner route to Devin Ravenel, Brandon's little brother. There was the, the dunk off uh, to Jawan Hamilton, the running back who was able to do everything else with his foot speed, breaking down and, and getting past a block Polk made to get in the end zone on a 50-yard touchdown. I, I was just really, really impressed with the way Ben DiNucci handled the game this past Saturday. It was it was dynamic, it, the way he was able to distribute the ball and throw the ball around. So I guess when you were when, when people were talking about Ben as the, the starting quarterback, Ben DiNucci started quarterback, this is what they were looking for out of him. This is what they were looking for. They are looking for this dis- distribution to a bunch of different weapons and then using his feet when necessary. Yeah, ex- exactly that. And not turning the ball over. Didn't yeah. turn the ball over at all, which uh, when you're going to play against Morgan State, you want to have one of these blowout games uh, no turnovers is a good way to go about it, especially when Jamie took the ball away from them three times. So I, I think Ben played really well. That And that throw he made to Van Horse, too, on the run, rolling to his right and lofting the ball up with perfect touch. To me, it was like an alley-oop pass almost uh, to get Van Horse past the pylon. I, I thought I thought Danucci looked really good and at least at least silenced his doubters for, 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 for one week. week. Yeah. Uh, what? What? How important was it for him to get uh, Polk involved? If I'm not mistaken. That's Polk's first touchdown catch as a member of the James Madison program, and, and here's a guy who, who transferred it from Penn State. Uh, I mean, how important was that connection to be made in, in any game, let alone this one? Yeah, I, I think that's been an absolute great ad by Kurt Signetti and his staff bringing Brandon Polk in. It was a guy that his assistants knew from their time as graduate assistants at Penn State, Andrew Jackson, the defensive tackles coach, and Ryan Smith, the safeties coach. They knew Polk previously uh, and and felt like it would be a good ad for JMU. And and he's made an impact right away. He's part of a passing game. He's their leading receiver through three games. And, yes, it was his first touchdown. It was kind of funny. He said it was bittersweet because his mom went to Morgan State and she told him not to (laughs) score. But he was like, I really couldn't couldn't not score. Not my decision, Mom, on that one. Uh, Ravenel, uh, 
the younger. Uh, I mean, you you don't you don't you know you, you see it you, you see the occasional kickoff return uh, for a touchdown. I don't think I've ever seen a uh, uh, a squib kick return for a an onside an onside kick. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah it was one of those things I'd never seen before either. It just I mean Morgan State first of all. Okay, this is this be real be real. This, this is what are you doing trying an onside kick? I mean I get maybe you want to try and work on some things, but. That's that's not the place to do it. I, not against JMU, I don't think. Down by that many in the fourth quarter, you're not going to to, to win the game. Are they just looking for a spark, maybe, or something to I, put more points on the board? I don't know. The coach after the game, Tyrone Wheatley, said, you know, it was just a decision that that they felt was necessary. It wasn't really a great explanation, to be honest. But they, they tried it, and, and it didn't work. My, that was my reaction. I was like, why did Morgan State try an onside kick? Uh, it just it just didn't make much sense. I mean, I get it if maybe the game's a three score game, even a four score game. When you're down by six touchdowns, just what the heck? Are you yeah, doing? really. I don't. And then you, it 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 gets turned around in the points against you like that. I mean, without it, without any offensive plays, it just gets turned into a touchdown. Yeah, I'm sure the the, the kids on that kickoff team are just like crap. You know, like, yeah. what, what are we what are we doing? You know, uh, Devin. It took a special play though. I mean. Devin was very aware of what was happening. He said he could see the laces, the way the kicker had angled the ball, because Jamie didn't have his hands team out. Oh, so it was a surprise. It was a surprise, okay. yes, because Jamie was ahead by six, six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. Okay, going, going back to that. But Devin said, you know, he noticed the ball, uh, the way the laces were pointed, that, that it was going to be an onside kick try. That's some solid awareness right there. For a sophomore? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's big time. That, that, that may be talking to older... Uh, big bro a little bit about yeah, football. Yeah. Uh, but he said he noticed that, and then once that that happened, he said, you know, the, be- the smartest thing for him was, first of all, to catch the ball. And then when nobody was around him, he's like, ah, you know what, just 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 take it. Let me get to work here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Anything else? Uh, I mean, you, you talked a lot about Ben DiNucci. Uh, what, what else, what, what other takeaways can uh, can Jamie fans uh, get out of that win? Or is it just, you know, you know just another win because it's Morgan State? Yeah, I... I Probably that. I know they used a lot of weapons on offense, but they get Riley back this week too. Riley Stapleton back from suspension. If you're incorporating all these all these different oh, yeah. receivers in the Goodness game, gracious. game what well, I mean, I would think they're gonna have to get him involved too. You you, you can't you waste your, your six foot five receiver that, that's really good in, in those jump ball type situations. So I would assume I would assume, yeah, I, I would assume Riley gets get gets gets the ball a good bit too, maybe Start him on the opposite side of Polk, or use him in a rotation behind Kendall Dean, opposite opposite Polk. I don't think Polk's coming off the field. I no, he's too good. I mean, yeah, yeah, it seems like he's a staple uh, on the field. No, no pun, no Stapleton pun <laughs> intended. Uh, Finley Stadium is that where Finley Stadium? Finley Stadium uh, in the shadows of Lookout Mountain, which is technically not a mountain, but the Cumberland Plateau, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, last time JMU was down there was 2004, and Duke's fans were streaming over the walls celebrating what was then known as NCAA Division One AA football national championship. Uh, what do we know about Nuga and their mocks? Yeah, this team is. Rebuilding, I, I think that's a fair assessment, retooling a little bit. I talked to Rusty Reich, their head coach, on Monday, and what he told me is it was basically a start from scratch. They installed a totally new offensive system. They went from last year they were more pro-style under Tom Arth. This year spread out, wide open, ready to chuck the ball around the yard. They played a brutal schedule out of the gate, uh, win over Eastern Illinois, but then lost to Jacksonville State in Week 2. Tough game, played them into the fourth quarter. 
Uh, but then last week, had yeah. to go to Tennessee, which was an angry Tennessee team. <laughs> Very angry Tennessee. Tennessee. Angrier fans, I bet. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee took it to them. Uh, but Wright was telling me, and, and, and you'll hear it on a walkthrough podcast this week, shameless plug. Well, I was, we were going to give you a plug before this is all said <laughs> and done. But uh, Rusty, he, he said something that, that really intrigued me was, you know, the, the offensive line James Madison has, he goes, it's probably the the better of the offensive lines that they'll face all year. He goes, and that includes the team we played last week in, the, in the SEC East. <laughs> I go, oh, okay. Uh, so that was interesting. But they they got a really good wide receiver there, Chattanooga. I wrote about wrote about him for tomorrow's paper. Bryce Nunley, uh, also con guy, all American guy. Uh, so he'll he'll be one JMU has to watch, especially not knowing what Rashad's status is. Rashad Robinson, who left the game the other day with an injury in the second quarter. Uh, Kurt Signetti says he's day to day, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see know, what I don't happens. know if they need him for this game, but it'd be nice to have him against Nunnally. Uh This is the first part of a home and home with the Mox, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a good. It, I think it's a good series. It is. I mean, I know Chattanooga is down this year, but when they scheduled it, I think Chattanooga was coming off those three straight SoCon titles and uh, going to the playoffs three years in a row. So, I mean, there was an attempt to, to get a good team on the schedule. So they'll play at Chattanooga this Saturday, and then Chattanooga will come to. Harrisonburg next year. Uh, what can we expect on the walkthrough, which comes out Thursday, Greg? Get these fans something to get excited yeah, about. Yeah, you'll hear from Chattanooga coach Rusty Wright. You'll hear from John Daka, Jawan Hamilton going over to talk to them in a little bit on the JMU side. Uh, typical Twitter questions, you know, you know the drill at this point. Uh, so, yeah, the, that that's pretty much what you can expect. And then, obviously, in a paper this week, we got... Uh, yeah. Back at O four coming. Yeah, yeah, that 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 should that was fun to do. I had a great interview uh, last night with the uh, linebackers coach, uh, former linebackers coach Kyle Gillenwater, who now is a defensive coordinator at uh, East Rock High School. How about that? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it was great talking to those guys. Oh, I yeah. thought it was neat. His first head, co- his first high school coaching job. Never coached high school before, and his response was, eh, "Football's football." Kids still want to learn. Kids still want to play. Kids still want to be fundamentally sound. So, uh, well, Greg, safe travels down to Chattanooga. See Ruby Falls if you get a chance. Check out Rock City. Uh, Anywhere to eat? You have any idea where to eat? I don't. I just know. I just know See Ruby Falls and Rock City. That's it. I'm a tourist trap guy. Okay. Uh, but safe, safe travels. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Yep. Sounds good.